The Presidential Harbinger of Death. Welcome to American Esoterica. If history class gives you the spongy yellow cake, this is the sweet cream filling. The essential stuff in between. The personalities, events, and other ephemera that shape our history and culture. I'm Brian Powers. Our subject today held many roles in his life, including CEO, Secretary of War, and Celebrity Offspring. But he also has at least one other claim to fame. He was close by during three different presidential assassinations. He was a harbinger of presidential death. Was he cursed? Or is he just the victim of a string of tenuous coincidences tied together after the fact? See, he was in town, but not always present for these assassinations. And just like those endless and overwhelmingly tenuous Lincoln-Kennedy coincidences, we may be putting too much stock in his otherwise benign presence. But hey, that doesn't make for a good story, now does it? So why don't we start at the end and work our way backwards? It was 1901, and our subject was the CEO of the Pullman Palace Car Company. On returning to Chicago from a trip to New Jersey, he and his family decided to make a brief stop at the Pan American Exposition, the World's Fair, in Buffalo, New York. When he arrived, one of his employees relayed the news that President McKinley had just been shot in the stomach by assassin Leon Chowgosh, and our subject rushed to the president's side. Now, this may have seemed like deja vu to our subject, who had done this very act already twice before. Seeing McKinley appear to be doing well, our subject concluded his trip and breathed a sigh of relief. Maybe the curse was lifted, but he was wrong. McKinley died eight days later from an infection in the wound. Going back further to 1881, and our man was Secretary of War. He was walking on the platform of the Baltimore and Potomac Railroad in Washington, D.C. to let his boss know that he'd be joining him on a trip the next day. He was about 40 feet away from President James Garfield when assassin Charles Guiteau got there first. Our man ran to the president's side immediately, sending for a doctor and organizing soldiers for security on the train platform. Garfield was taken back to the White House and, like McKinley, he initially survived the attack. He died by the seaside in New Jersey 80 days later, his death largely attributed to issues caused by doctors probing the wound for the bullet, although some have pushed back on this theory in recent years. At any rate, Chester A. Arthur was sworn in as president the next day after hearing of Garfield's death from a reporter. President Arthur only kept one holdover from Garfield's cabinet. Our subject stayed on as Secretary of War. That brings us back to 1865 and a night out at the theater. Our man had received an invitation to join the Lincolns to see a play at Ford's Theater 
on the night of April 14th, but he had declined, deciding instead to turn in early. Many people ran to inform him that the president had been shot, and our subject immediately ran to Lincoln's deathbed and stayed next to him all night and the next morning when the commander-in-chief was pronounced dead at 7.22 a.m. Because that's what sons do. Our subject today was Robert Todd Lincoln, the only child of Abraham and Mary Todd Lincoln to survive past the age of 18, and a man chosen by fate to be nearby during the commission of three presidential murders, the presidential harbinger of death. This isn't the only grim coincidence that occurred in his life, and we'll revisit Robert Todd Lincoln again. But we're gonna do it Grover Cleveland style, non-consecutively. This has been American Esoterica. All sounds are made by me, Brian Powers. Did I get it wrong? Did I get it right? Just wanna complain about kids these days? Drop me a note. The address is yell at AmericanEsoterica.com. Thank you for listening, and God bless America.